and yours are both two fascinating topics that have you been have you managed to watch because we've had i feel we've had some of your colleagues here today uh, yes i haven't seen too much of it but you've definitely had some of our colleagues today so hopefully we won't be pathology definitely definitely came up because we had a group uh who were here talking about the brain bank and we had um from newcastle and i don't know why i can't remember her name Lauren. <laughs> Lauren. We had Lauren from Newcastle who definitely looked at this and went, Lauren would totally have matched into this pairing. <laughs> but um, I wanted a brain bank group, but you all kind of work with the brain bank as well. So let's do some proper interaction in, uh, introductions. Lucy, why don't you go first? Hi, everyone. I'm Lucy. I'm a postdoctoral researcher at the Dementia Research Centre at UCL. Um, my primary role is working on the Frontotemporal Dementia Prevention Initiative. And I'm also the study manager um, lead for the uh, Genetic Frontotemporal um, Initiative. Uh, so they're kind of big cohort studies, observational studies following people with genetic forms of FTD over time. And my particular research interests are around uh, social cognition and social interactions between individuals with um, particularly behavioural variant FTD, but also across the different types, um, as well as looking at new and novel digital markers to um, be able to monitor the disease over time. I can't help but think as well that I might have miscategorised you in my head. I had you in my head as fundamental scientist and then <laughs> when I was preparing the questions at the last minute I went oh doesn't look like she's in a lab at all <laughs> no not in the I'm personally I'm not in the lab but um I work with a lot of people who are and a lot of the pharmaceutical companies who are developing new drugs for um frontotemporal dementia so I do kind of fit but I don't do the biological stuff myself well maybe we, we'll sell this as you can provide both sides of the the story because because Tamarin you're very much in the lab why don't you introduce yourself I, yeah I am well not so much now but yes I do try and stay in the lab a, a few days a week so I'm Pre Professor Tamarin Lashley um uh, Professor of Neuroscience at UCL uh, I'm also the Director of Research at Queen Square Brain Bank which is the brain bank based at UCL it's not part of the brains for dementia uh, network, but it's a separate brain bank. Um, and I'm also vice president of the British Neuropath Society. Um, so I've been based at UCL for over 20 years, um, feeling really old compared to some of the panelists. Oh, so you've obviously got very generous lighting because you can't tell. <laughs> this is mine. Have you noticed Zoom has this feature where you can tell it on where it does this blend thing? <laughs> <laughs> So most of my work, well, yeah, all, all of my um, sort of work and my research group um, work is focused on looking at the uh, post-mortem brain tissue. So people that have donated their brains for research. Uh, and, I, and I've spent many uh, an hour looking down the microscope at, at what has gone wrong in these brains uh, to cause the, the, the clinical disease that we know as either Alzheimer's disease or frontal temporal dementias. Um, so I started off looking at two quite rare dementias, uh, familiar British and familiar Danish dementias that are caused by two uh, different amyloids to the amyloid that we find in Alzheimer's disease, uh, but sort of gave us clues in, as to the mechanisms that we do find in Alzheimer's disease. Uh, and then just because of funding opportunities, I think my, one of my first project grants was uh, funded by what was then Alzheimer's Research Trust, which is now, as we know, ARUK, um, who have funded both my junior and senior fellowships um, to uh, broaden the research on the different types of frontal temporal dementias. 
Um, so I've had lots of collaborative projects over the years looking at the, what I call the traditional pathologies, so the A-beta plaques and the tau tangles, but it's actually looking at the brains kind of from a different angle to see what we're we're not seeing in these brains so obviously all around the world and we've heard from panelists the amount of people looking at the the classical pathologies um but i started to notice that there were other, other proteins in in neurons or brain cells that were still there in the people that, that have had these diseases that were showing different characteristics and these proteins are um, a, a class of proteins called RNA binding proteins that are involved with in processing our genetic information uh, in the brain cells themselves and can alter how that that genetic information is then turned into the proteins um, so that's sort of the main sort of um, driving force of my own sort of research group now is to look at these RNA binding proteins and how they are affecting the pathology uh, in frontal temporal dementia itself. But I've got so many different collaborative projects. We use the brain tissues um, to, to look for different biomarkers in the different frontal temporal dementias. Uh, we use it um, for PET tracers. Um, to look at where the pet traces that they use in clinics bind to in, in the path tissue themselves. Um, so yeah, we so we ship tissue all around the world uh, for various different projects. I, I had a song in my head then. I don't know where this came from. And again, it's probably because I've been doing this for 12 hours, but my, my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard came into my <laughs> head then. <laughs> I have no idea why, except for, you be, you know, all those collaborations come off the back of because you've got the good stuff, right? I mean, you've got this... <laughs> You've got this incredible resource that that is so unique, and yeah. those 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 cases you mentioned earlier about the the Scandinavian one and the Welsh one—they're the famous ones, right? Aren't they the original? Are they famous? Uh, no, I'm... British and Danish dimensions. Danish ones, yeah. No, so they're not the original um, uh, no. mutations that John Hardy. No, um, they're different. They're different. Um, so they cause. So the term amyloid is used quite loosely. It, amyloid is uh, is an actual term for the structure of a protein, not the underlying protein itself. Um, so in uh, as we know in Alzheimer's disease, uh, the, the amyloid protein is A beta. Um, in the British and Danish, it's A dan and and A brie that cause the amyloid to, that causes the disease. So. It's different type of protein but causes a similar kind of disease to Alzheimer's disease. How did how on earth do you find that? How do you end up with making that connection between that one in the UK and the one elsewhere? And I mean, not is it potential then that there are more of these elsewhere in the world? That... Uh, so yeah, so Chinese dementia has just been identified uh, again. Dementia. Again, like the Chinese flu is that it's not <laughs> quite the same thing. It, they're mutations all in the same protein. Um, so it was just it, well, I was just in the right place at the right time. So I started as a research technician at UCL as the first patient um, had passed away and the brain was harvested with British dementia. Then the mutation was identified. My secondary supervisor at New York University made an antibody that then I could characterize the pathology within the brain. So I was just in the right place at the right time. Sure, there's <laughs> to more to it than that, but I understand yeah. where you. So that that's that's fascinating. And I guess having that flexibility, I mean, you must, you know, you know having that support, we're gonna give a plug for Alzheimer's Research UK, but having that kind of backing of the charity funding and being in the right place you've had you've had this opportunity to kind of 
follow your nose, which I guess sounds like not everybody necessarily gets the same chance to do is to go, oh, that's a bit interesting. I'm going to go look at that. Yeah. And having yeah, that independence. Yeah, yeah totally. I mean, I, I feel so privileged in a way to have had the support from Alzheimer's Research UK and Alzheimer's Society for so many years. Um, and I guess it, I do see it as a bit of luck and in the right place at the right time. You, you, you know, you're constantly re reading, researching the literature, working with collaborators to see where the next sort of hot topic is and what the sort of next avenue of research is. Um, and sort of learning from other diseases as well. So, I mean, when I first started, there was no link between uh, um, MND and frontal temporal dementia. Obviously, now we know that there probably is a spectrum of diseases. So, genes and proteins involved with uh, MND, ALS, you know, overlap with F2D, but that wasn't even a thing when I first started working on frontal temporal dementia. So, you know, things evolve over the years. And I've thought of a tenuous link now. Because one assumes, because Lucy, you coordinate the FTD Prevention Initiative, which has these genetic FTD cohort studies. And I'm assuming that ultimately many of those people might go on to be donors. Yeah, exactly. So um, a lot of it is interesting that you've just brought up about the um, Chinese dementia. We've actually been doing a lot of outreach work to um, Asia to try and uh, increase the amount of research into genetic forms of FTD um, over there. So over the last two years, we've really expanded the cohorts um, to include sites in Southeast Asia, uh, South Korea, um, where else we've gone, India, um australia new zealand um and japan and there's a few others as well so um kind of reaching out to those um areas trying to increase research there so that they can get participants involved in these types of studies so that uh, tamarin can do her amazing work and and tell us all about what's going on it's a big um, network right i mean it's it's that so yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated how do you go about that so you you suddenly go oh we want to do that how do you go about setting up and doing this this yeah, so these new international collaborators. Yeah, so um, Professor Jonathan Aurora, who Tamarin works closely with, um, works with um, the equivalent study in Europe um, that's in America called All FTD. So there's a big um, observational genetic um, FTD study out there. And they got together a couple of conferences ago and decided that actually it'd be a really good idea to um, pull all our participants together. Uh, genetic FTDs particularly rare disease, um, particularly when you start breaking down into the individual genetic groups. And um, there's three main types, um, which might have been covered today. So apologies if I'm recapping. No, do you know um, what? I, I, we've talked about FTD, but we haven't actually gone back to basics and explained why FTD okay. is different to other things. So add that yeah, in. So Just add that in. A, a third of FTD is caused by particular genetic mutations. And um, they're in um, genes called C9-ORF72, pergranulin and MAPT or tau. And um, when you get down to that kind of individual level on the genetics, the number of participants available is very limited when we think about how we're going to enroll for clinical trials. And so by pooling all our resources together through the studies across the world, we're able to have as many people as possible going into those clinical trials. So John and Adam got together and set up the FPI and have started building over the kind of the last 10 years or so. Um, and over time, research has obviously grown within different areas. And it's just a case of trying to link in with people and um, get them on board to the bigger picture and, and see that we really have a problem when it comes to the number of available participants 
for large scale trials. So let, let's talk about that for a minute. And so obviously that's a challenge because there just aren't as many people with that mm-hmm. or it's not necessarily that they're identified. What's your understanding of how what proportion of people with FTD in the UK are actually in your in your database? That's a really great question. I'm not entirely sure what the percentage is in the population um, that are participating in research. So how many Um, people do we think there are with FTD? Oh, I don't know. Um, I can't remember. You've got a guess? I don't know. Is there any published stats on this? Do we know? Yeah. um, I I can't remember. I I didn't mean to put you on the side. (laughs) Because everybody just remembers the Alzheimer's number, right? It was 850,000 for a long time. And now I think it's 900. (laughs) There there is published stats for FTD. But I think the problem with FTD is because it affects a, a younger age group, it's often misdiagnosed for, for other things. Yeah. Um, and sometimes because the disease duration is, is quite a lot shorter than Alzheimer's disease, we might be missing quite a, a lot of cases. Um, and this is where Itana and, and Nick and Amanda were talking earlier about having mm-hmm. a blood test that helps you to disregard other diseases, then allows you to find your FTD people and potentially bring yeah. something just beeped like it was getting is that one of you on me <laughs> no i didn't hear it <laughs> sorry so i was like so, you know when something like, I was like it's getting unplugged and plugged back in again sorry um so um the ftd the blood test so so i guess the challenge there is is that so traditional pathways aren't they so somebody has a memory problem they go to their doctor and then depending on their age and roughly what they look like they might get sent to a neurologist mm-hmm. um, but more often than not if they're a bit older they're going to go to their psychiatrist and the memory clinic issue and then they're you know fairly bond it's only if people present with slightly unusual that they might go to a neurologist uh, how i'm assuming you God, I'm going to cringe when I say this. Neurologists would be better at identifying the signs of FTD than a than a normal memory clinic. FTD is not normally memory led. Uh, it could. It's obviously so. The, so the chance of somebody with FTD ending up in a memory clinic is very unlikely. Anyway, they're more likely to have gone to neurology, particularly in the early stages. Yeah. Definitely. And um, are they? What are they going to get told? They've got. Are they going to get told you have FTD? What are, yeah. what are the yeah. other things, the, the pseudo things they might get misdiagnosed with? Yes, yeah, so they um, it, because as Tamarin said, it often occurs in earlier in life. So people are roughly in their 50s and 60s. It often gets put down to things like midlife crisis and um, kind of uh, marital problems. And, and actually it's being underpinned by this change in behavior and personality. Um, and if so put they down do to get a psychiatric referred, issue rather than it. Yeah. So they quite often end up in um, psychiatric care. Um, often um, they might be um, perceived to have uh, depression or severe anxiety, or they may um, even have um, psychosis, particularly hallucinations and delusions in some types of FTD is quite common so yeah it can take quite a long time for them to end up um, seeing a neurologist I see so that's that's a problem so having the blood test we talked about earlier would be particularly useful because particularly if it was cheap and readily available you could just give that to everybody just to at least disregard FTD Uh, that would make such a big difference wouldn't it it would be useful if it was just one pathology but it's not so Ah. Okay. Uh, FTD can be split into three major pathologies, which is then further split into. So this is where you were going the different types. So we got to the genetic one. I rudely interrupted you before you got yeah. to the rest. Yeah. Keep going. So, <laughs> so there's 
So the, the pathology, you, you can have a major, the tau pathology, TDP43 pathology or FOS pathology. And from that, there's different subtypes. So there's five different TDP43 subtypes, all with different clinical symptoms, all with different pathologies. Um, so if somebody walks into a clinic with FTD, we have no way of knowing at the moment which one of those pathologies there's no good having a treatment for a tau pathology if it, you've got an FT, a, a FUS patient, for instance, because the pathology and the, the biological process is going to be different. So we need biomarkers for those specific um, frontal temporal dementias, which is oh. the tricky part. <laughs> yeah. And and I mean, do, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot because I know it's not necessarily your field, but how far are we along with some of those? Is that even closely on the horizon? <laughs> Um, we've done, we did a, a large study, me and, and John Rora, we went back and re-diagnosed about 100 cases from Queen Square Brain Bank, where they have really good clinical data. Um, and, and from those, I think it was actually 95 cases, um, we could see that those with a sort of a semantic dementia presentation were more likely to have a type C TDP43 pathology. Um, but we just need more, more numbers, more more people to donate brains that we can look at to then correlate with the clinical presentations to, to refine the diagnosis further. So I think we're getting there. It's but then it, it's then you know identifying those biomarkers um, that underpins that specific pathology. So you, and that's you... kind of sorry. That's kind of why um, the trials are starting from the genetic side of things because that correlation to the underlying pathology is much clearer than it is in those cases where they don't have the genetic forms. So we can be pretty certain that um, certain pathologies underlie certain genetic forms of FTD, and that's why it's um, the the trials are starting from that that point of view. Is that because you can't tell the other ones until you've actually got access to their post mortem tissue? Mm -hmm. And and none of the other scanning techniques have gotten sophisticated to allow for that. Not yet. We're hopeful that Pet might come and save the day. <laughs> but we've um, heard about Meg earlier. I guess Meg's nowhere near that. It's a different thing altogether. No. <laughs> no. Um, we'll be, we're looking for Pet to save the day, I think, at the moment. And um, we're hoping there might be some um, blood-based biomarkers um, as well that might be able to help us. But So in the meantime, you, you compensate for that by having bigger numbers. The more people you can get, you can, but there just aren't enough volume of cases in the uk even if they were all coming forward so you have to grow yeah. these mm -hmm. these cohorts mm -hmm. um and i mean one would imagine places like the the kind of uh, europe's pretty well organized i expect mm -hmm. so there's one uh, europe and the, the us you mentioned yeah so we've got um so i uh, help um, john rora run uh, the genetic ftd initiative which is uh consists of 35 sites now across Europe and Canada um, that's working towards um, uh, observational cohort study of genetic forms of FTD. Um, we're about at 1,500 participants that are involved in that study, which is incredible, really. Um, and then similar sort of numbers in the US um, in their study, um, but other areas, um, not quite as many participants involved at the moment. And, uh... It, I mean, is there, I mean, obviously you can see how other forms of dementia will benefit as it is each form of dementia makes a progress in its own research area. Everybody, everybody benefits, but is there any, you know, any more progress? I, would you say when it comes to looking at Alzheimer's compared to FTD, are you behind Alzheimer's or are you ahead in some areas? Um, is, that a, is that an awkward question? <laughs> <laughs> 
no, it's not a competition. It, it's, no, it's not a competition. I, I, I would say it is behind because we're we're still learning the underlying proteins that are involved in the diagnosis. Whether those proteins are the causative factors of these diseases as with alzheimer's obviously we 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 know the the the, the recent um trials that are, are, are seemingly successful um at um that have been in the news recently this week um but i think whether a beta and tau obviously there are the genetic driving factors but we also see the pathologies um a beta and tau pathologies in an elderly population that don't have any clinical symptoms as well so what is the tipping factor that to cause the clinical symptoms with alzheimer's disease um i mean we have controls donated to the brain bank um i would say i think we have over 150 normal controls cognitively normal controls and out of those only 10 have no pathology whatsoever so what has wow that seems like not amazing. very many <laughs> what has what has sort of prevented those that have the tau and a beta from having the clinical symptoms of alzheimer's disease i think it is something that needs more investigation but it's really it's really hard to get funding to look at normal people with pathology without the clinical symptoms okay the, the pathology isn't as severe as what we see in alzheimer's disease so whether they would have developed alzheimer's disease if they'd lived you know longer but some of these cases are in their 90s and 100s and and, and haven't been referred to a neurologist um so clinically normal with some respect as you can be at that age but even if we could push back you know everybody 30 40 years then that's going to help you know dramatically but it's often sort of just ignored that this a beta and tau deposition happens in um popu the population elderly population as well with no clinical symptoms and can you get your i mean do you have a study running like that right now is there like a you know a brain donation for those kind of super ages the kind of plus 95 year olds plus 90 year olds where you can you've got a study going that wants to collect brains from those people to to look up the difference you know so you we, more of those. sort of running a, a side project because i can't get funding for is we just fit it in well in and around other projects but, come on funding i but, can't help but think that this is something that that race against dementia that's <laughs> a bit uh, of a change the, the there are um i think the netherlands brain bank has the oldest old they called it the oldest old cohort so they're looking at those that are above 100 um at what those protective factors are um that hasn't tipped them over the edge into alzheimer's disease um That's so for me up. you have the plaques the tangles you know you have the genetic predisposition to alzheimer's disease but the, what is that third factor that tips it over the edge into is it the neuroinflammation um which obviously we've heard about microglia and other people working on the microglia as well um but there definitely but is for me looking at the, the 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 human brains that have the disease or don't have the disease there is some other things that we're not vi visibly seeing or haven't seen yet because we're not looking at the right things and i'm guessing you also then want to look at the same the people who i mean am i right in thinking that the people that have the genetic version don't all necessarily go on to develop ftd no they do so if they all do 
Yeah, if they have the genetic mutation, they will go on to develop FTD in their lifetime. There is a, a number of cases where they perhaps um, pass away earlier than the onset of their disease. So it does kind of look like it's not full penetrance, but the likelihood is that everybody who has the genetic mutation will go on to develop the disease in their lifetime. But not in Alzheimer's disease. So no, there are no. rare cases that don't. No, the APOEs don't all go on to yeah. develop that. Fascinating. This is so interesting. We should have, I mean, we could have easily gone on for another half an hour, I feel sure. But <laughs> I, I mean, I'm happy to keep going, but I feel guilty because I'm taking up your Friday night. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep you, but I will give you a chance. Is there anything? So I'm guessing the big thing for you, Lucy, is if anybody's watching now who knows somebody or has a relative or knows somebody with FTD, ask them if they're involved in research. And if they're not, then where yeah. do you want them to go? Yeah, so those um, people who are... They might not, I know it's a rare, it's very unlikely, but this will live on YouTube. Who knows? This, who this knows? recording will live on YouTube for a lifetime. And so anybody who's watching can can still, this news will be useful, not just the seven people that are still watching on Friday night. <laughs> yeah, so um, for those people with um, outer genetic cause for FTD, there's um, a number of uh, observational studies that we run at the Dementia Research Centre. Um, so if you pop on to the Dementia Research Centre website. Um, there's links on there to kind of self-refer to the research groups. Um, if anybody has a genetic form of FTD and are interested in um, observational studies, then you can contact us at uh, genfi at ucl.ac.uk. So that's G-E-N-F-I, Genfi. Um, and if you have a genetic form of FTD and you're interested in participating in clinical trials, um, you can contact the uh, clinical trials um, um, web, uh, email address on the Dementia Research Centre as well. And what about if you're... Uh, just keep adding, could keep adding to the list of what you want people to do. But what about if you're worried about FTD? What about if you're kind of somebody who's heard, you know, some information today, you've looked on the website, you're worried, where would, what, I mean, I'm assuming you're going to encourage them to go to their doctors. Yeah, straight to your GP. Um, any kind of um, changes in behaviour, in your language, um, you know, some people with FTD um, have difficulties with their speech and their communicate, um, communication, and they can also have difficulties with um, their movements, um, as well as having some of these um, uh, psychotic symptoms as well. So if these are occurring much uh, later on in life in kind of 50s and 60s um, and there's no other kind of explanation for those things and um, then do go and speak to your GP if you're concerned. So even if you haven't got the memory problem if you have those symptoms do go ahead and do you know yeah. what sit there in front of the GP do, I mean keep pushing say can yeah. you would you mind having a looking for FTD because I've heard about it and and that's yeah that's and all too often is is that that's when you raise yeah it, it is not that well known um it, you know we are trying our best to spread the word um but you know some gps still aren't aware of it or um other health care providers aren't, aren't as familiar with it so um there is a lot of information on our labs um web page which is ftd uh, ftdtalk.org um you can find loads of information and fact sheets on there about the disease and, and the illness and they've been mentioned a couple of times today, but the rare dementia support group as well. I'm assuming that they're yeah, lots of information on there about all different types of rare dementias, um, and they're a fantastic team, um, and would certainly be able to help and point people. I, I think our way. next fundraising effort will be for FTD for the rare dementias group. But that would be wonderful. Thank you, Lucy and Tamron. I mean, do you want brains? I mean, do you want? Do you, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't mean in the. <laughs> 
you know, in the zombie kind of sense. Um, <laughs> yes, I would, but no, um, because what we need is people to go through the Dementia Research Centre to have those clinical records that we can then correlate with what we see under the microscope. It, I wouldn't say a brain without the clinical history no, is, is useless to us, but we it, we just don't have the resources to take every single brain that 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 would we would like to take. Are, are there specific? Is your brain bank looking for specific people right now that would would so, yeah, we, we, we do later? Yeah, we do collect um, a specific cohort. So um, mostly the cohorts that where people have been seen at Queen Square themselves um, through other charities, um, uh, the Progressive Supernuclear Palsy Charity and other co specific cohorts. Um, but likewise, if people think they are involved in any of those, they can ring our administrator, uh, Lynn Haddon, and, and she will direct them either, you know, sign them up to our brain bank if they are, do belong to one of those cohorts or direct them to uh, another brain bank that would be able to take their brain should they want to donate their brain. And if anybody is involved in any of our research studies at the moment and are interested in doing it, you can speak to uh, the research teams as well, and they'll be able to pass on the details to um, Tamarin and the team. And as, as we've heard, not just from Tamarin today, but from uh, other researchers as well, the, the brain tissue you use is is massively helpful. It can make a great yeah. difference. Uh, it's the only way we can really understand this until we can can get better with the scans and the other things that come along thank you so much uh for making this tonight for our very last session we've got professor tamarin lashley and uh dr lucy chisholm russell both from university college london thank you very much and thank you adam it's a fantastic day and uh you've done you've done a really great job and you've made it to the end so well done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to cry. no not really uh i'm gonna thank you very much i'm gonna do my uh close down oh, yeah i was gonna use i have another camera set up here that i've not used all day with a different angle to make it interesting it gone off i'll have to do it to this one thank you so much <laughs> thanks, thanks adam. Adam. Bye. bye bye lucy